Welcome to Season 2 of the Irish Baptist College podcast. The Irish Baptist College exists to magnify Christ, advance the gospel and strengthen the church. The college is a department of the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland. Established in 1895, the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland is a gospel partnership of 117 autonomous local churches who have voluntarily agreed to work together. The churches have a formal membership of 8,500 people, but represent a Baptist community of more than 20,000 on the island of Ireland. In this podcast, we will meet some of the people who lead different aspects of the association. I'm your host, Davy Ellison. I'm the Director of Training at the College, and today I'm delighted to be talking with Mervyn Scott, the Director of Baptist Missions. So you're very welcome, and uh, thank you, Mervyn, for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Davy. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. Well, it's uh, it's good to have you. Um, I obviously know you quite well working in the building with you, but maybe some of our listeners don't know you so well. So we're going to begin um, where we should begin with, and that's introductions. So could you introduce yourself, family, interests, home church, maybe elaborate a wee bit in your role in the association? And uh, this is the one that all the guests hate, but I always enjoy. Can you share an interesting fact about yourself somewhere in there as well, maybe? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, as I said, lovely to be here, Davey. Uh, my name is Mervyn Scott, as you, as you have. Uh, born in Dublin um, and uh, married to Karen, uh, who's from Belfast. Uh, we met through the work of United Beach Missions. Um, we've got four children, uh, three adult, adult children and one, uh, our youngest, as he started learning college today, um, okay. So he's gone into uh, year 11 uh, there. Um, we are members in Craigavon Baptist. Uh, we moved actually from Moria Baptist to Craigavon uh, during uh, lockdown to go and try and be a blessing to uh, a smaller church seeking to be mm. revitalized. Um, and uh, interest, I suppose, David, don't have a huge amount, but I, I enjoy gardening. Karen's kind of the, the master gardener. I do the kind of spade work. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, reading uh, football, my physique would say, uh, maybe, maybe not football, but I used to play a lot of football in the past. Um, but I'm a Liverpool fan, which I'm not a, wouldn't say I'm a kind of a, an ardent sort of maniac kind of fan, but uh, I do follow uh, the Premier League and uh, like obviously Liverpool to be to be winning and, and doing well in that. Um, uh, my role, I suppose, in the association, I am the missions director and I suppose I see my primary role in that is uh, supporting and caring for our missionaries on the fields um, and seeking to encourage them and, and the work that they're doing and also then to represent the work of Baptist Missions among our uh, churches in our association. Um, interesting fact, um, I use this a lot actually because it's probably the only interesting thing about me. Um, <laughs> I was born nine weeks early um, okay. and uh, four pounds in weight and I spent the first six weeks of my life in an incubator. Um, and in those days, I think it's very different now, in those days, um, as soon as I was born, I was taken away from my mother and okay. she couldn't hold me. Uh, mm. And in fact, my mom in the end couldn't even bear coming into the hospital looking at me through a glass screen, I think through another mm. window into that incubator. And so um, first time my mum actually held me uh, when I got out of the, the hospital six weeks later. Uh, and so my mum, who's 80 now, um, when I do meet her, she always wants a hug fairly straight away. Um, <laughs> and I think it all goes back to that, you know. Making up for those six, yeah, weeks, those six that weeks, weeks that were lost. Yeah. yeah, okay. Excellent. Interesting fact, definitely. And something I don't think I knew about you, Mervyn. So uh, yeah, great. Thank you. Um, 
I think you would probably maybe say this, that the most important thing about you is that you are a Christian. Um, so perhaps you could uh, share your conversion experience with us and just encourage us with the story of God's grace in your life. Yeah, well, I suppose the reality is, Davey, if I wasn't a believer, I wouldn't be here doing this mm-hmm. interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly shouldn't be the, the missions director of Baptist Missions. Um, but I had the joy, I suppose, and privilege of being brought up in a, in a Christian home. Um, both my parents, actually, my mom's from Monaghan. Uh, my dad's from Dublin and my mum moved, uh, the eldest of seven in a family farm, moved to Dublin uh, when she was about 19. Uh, grew up in a, in a reformed Presbyterian background, my dad was Church of Ireland, uh, but both of them actually converted through, well, the YWCA and the YMCA in, in both their okay, cases. Yeah. Um, and uh, so by the time I arrived, um, they were both believers and we were attending actually a local Church of Ireland parish church. Um, so my Sunday used to be Sunday school before church the church service and then on Sunday afternoons I was sent to uh, a place called Fairview Hall which was a brethren Sunday school uh, in the afternoon and I'd say it was probably there and through the influence of my parents uh, in the family home was where I heard the gospel the clearest okay. um, and uh, we also went probably more so in holiday time uh, my dad was heavily involved in the YMCA in a thing called the evangelization scheme mm. and so there used to be and maybe older listeners to this might remember this but there used to be an 8.30 service in the YMCA on a Sunday evening uh, which was more like an evangelistic kind of okay, um, yeah. meeting and so during holidays we would have gone along uh, to those services too as children so my Sunday was fairly packed Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but I suppose all of those influences parents Sunday school particularly Fairview Hall uh, the Brethren Hall I suppose and the YMCA were places where I heard the gospel clearly mm. um, and at the age of 8 uh, I remember one night in my bedroom having heard the fact that the Lord Jesus was coming back um, and being very conscious, I suppose, of my own sin and awareness that if he were to return, I certainly wasn't going to go back to heaven to be with him because mm-hmm. my sin would, would, would bar me from that. Um, and just really getting down on my my knees beside my bed, Davy, as, as an eight-year-old, and really just uh, calling out to God, asking Christ uh, to be my Savior, to forgive me for my sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and to come into my life and there was no flash of light there was no you know I do remember the next morning going down and telling my mum um, that I'd become a Christian and uh, just her her joy in that um, I think probably in those days Davy, I would have kind of stood almost you know not proudly but that kind of sense of you know I have decided to follow Jesus say and sing that song mm-hmm. I think obviously the years went by like you said as you asked the question um, recognising you know what uh it was not of me and nothing of me that it was God mm. who caused me to be born in the home I was born to be brought up and it was God working uh, by his grace and his mercy to bring me to that place uh, of what I know now is repentance but I didn't yeah. probably even understand that word then um, yeah. but God's grace and work in my life and I look back and I suppose too as the years have gone by Davy, and I see my own heart and how you know uh, prone I am as the hymn says you know I've often gone astray, etc. Mm. To, to realize, yes, not only has God saved me, but it's God in His grace and mercy who's kept me um, yeah. as well. Um, so that that's, I suppose, where I, I uh, how I initially came uh, to faith, and um, uh, you know, just so grateful for all those different avenues, I suppose, yeah. where I heard the gospel along the way. Yeah, we're so blessed. Uh particularly in the north of Ireland, but I suppose to some extent across the island of the opportunities that we do have to hear the gospel. And um, 
great for you to help us uh, visualize both the simplicity of salvation, but then as you grow and develop, you come to understand how profound that is um, as well. And uh, one of the things that we we like to encourage here in the college is spiritual formation and the reality that testimonies are not just about a moment of conversion, but about a life of faithfulness. And uh, I wondered if you could just help us um, with sharing some key influences on your life, in your Christian life, yeah. um, whether that was people or events or books or, or something else. And yeah. obviously you've highlighted some of that already with uh, what was influential in your conversion. But as you've continued to grow in your Christian life, um, has there been anything that's been really key in that? Yeah, well, well, a man called Arthur Rayner, who again, maybe older listeners might remember him um I mentioned my dad was involved in this thing called the evangelization scheme. Mm-hmm. And they had two evangelists uh, when I was born, a man called Arthur Rayner and another man called Johnny Cochran, who I think died maybe when I was three or four, so I never really knew him. But Arthur Rayner, uh, who was a man uh, from England, um, he used to take us out sometimes on a Sunday afternoon in his car. We didn't have a car. And bring us to Dublin Airport, which at that time was surrounded by fields of the airfields. are, But the whole perimeter around Dublin Airport wasn't built up as it is today. Yeah. Um, but Arthur Rayner used to tell us stories uh, of going to like fairs and marketplaces and so on to, to tell people the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I suppose at, at a very early age, I not only feel like knew that I needed to, to, to be saved, but I also knew that other people needed to hear mm-hmm. about Christ as well. And um, when I was 10, uh, there were two things that happened that year in my life that were significant. One, I went uh, to help a guy doing sketchboard work in Scaries. Um, uh, and I basically carried the paints. That was my that was my <laughs> job, uh, and that's really all I did. But again, it was just that sense of going to tell others about Jesus. Mm. Um, and on the first of December that year, which was nineteen seventy eight, uh, my mum's dad, my grandfather, who I was very close to, worked a lot on my school holidays with in the fields and so on. The farmer uh, from Monaghan, uh, he passed away suddenly um, at quite a young age. And although my parents hadn't really wanted me to go to this funeral, they sent me off to stay with an aunt and uncle. Uh, I was in the hallway the morning of my grandfather's funeral, and I said, I really want to go to his funeral. And, and Dave, you have to say this, and I'm not saying God spoke to me because I'm not, you know, into that kind of, you know, stuff. But, but God definitely, as I watched my grandfather's coffin being lowered into the ground, mm-hmm. a real sense that, you know, that's the, it's too late now. And I, I didn't have, in my childish mind, I didn't have any confidence that my grandfather was a believer. Mm-hmm. And just that sense of, you know, he's gone yeah. and it's too late. He's gone into eternity. Um, and I, for example, I saw his corpse. I got the shock mm-hmm. of my life, walked into a room. I didn't know he was there. I saw this corpse in the bed, saw his coffin into the ground. And God really used that, uh, I suppose, to impress upon me, you know, people need to hear the gospel. They need to hear about Christ before they get to that yeah. place of being lowered into the ground because then they've gone into eternity and that's forever. Yeah. Um, and that, is, that has stayed with me, Davey, 43 years later, mm. uh, that, that, that sense. And so that, that, was, a, that was something that, that God really used. And then at the age of 13, I was on holidays with my parents in Clondudno in Wales and there I met United Beach Missions. Mm-hmm. Um, and here were young people, not that much older than me, um, if you like, publicly testifying to their faith in Christ and, and speaking of him. Yeah. And I have to say, probably in those early teenage years of my life, I was probably potentially 
going to go down a road maybe that might have led me away mm-hmm. from Christ and kind of, you know, uh, fallen into various temptations that might have ruined my life ultimately. Um, and actually, I can see again, God brought me to, to meet the work of Beach Mission. And the following year, I went back on the team. I was slightly too young, but um, I went back on the team with a couple of older friends. And the work of United Beach Missions, and I suppose, again, being involved in evangelism and also the discipleship end of that, you know, yeah. the importance of, of seeking to have a daily quiet time, you know, of reading through the Bible, uh, of, of you know, praying for friends and praying, you know, for people who were, were lost. That had a big impact upon me. And people, I suppose, like Steve Wright, who, who's, who's an elder now in our Newton Breeder Church, Bertie Coffey, who's in Newcastle, who mm-hmm. was a former student here yeah. at IBC, yeah. um, and a man called Mike Barry, who used to be an elder in Finnegy Baptist, actually. All were three men who in those kind of formative teenage years of my life would have had a big influence upon me as they led different teams and things that I was on. Um, Beach Mission was also great too because that's where I met Karen. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, over the years as we got to know each other and eventually began to, to go out together, that was a, 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 a blessing to me too. At 13 years of age too, Dave, we, we also, uh, my dad met Chris Robinson, who's a former uh, Irish Baptist home missions worker okay. and gone to glory now. Um, but my dad met Chris. Chris used to walk the streets of Dublin uh, basically just seeking to talk to people and evangelize mm-hmm. and give out literature. He did a tremendous work. And that's how Grace Bible Fellowship ultimately was planted from the work of, of Chris and his wife, Helen. Um, but my dad met Chris somehow. And at that time, uh, we had a, we actually had a very godly Church of Ireland minister um, who'd gone to Peru as he's a missionary with South American Missionary Society. Okay. Um, his daughter, Ruth, was actually my first girlfriend at the age of four and we used to write <laughs> love letters to each other and all and uh, I remember Ruth writing me a letter telling us they'd got a fridge which is a big thing but the next minister who came to replace that man uh, uh, Wilbur Kelly was his name and the next man who came wasn't a believer mm-hmm. um, and somehow my dad obviously in the providence of God met Chris Robinson and began to be exercised about things like a gathered church believers mm-hmm. baptism and so forth um, and actually such was my dad's, uh, you know, uh, drawing to those truths and so forth. And I suppose such was his kind of, uh, you know, uh, disappointment, if you like, of this new minister to mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. That led us as a family. My dad took the decision to move church and we began to attend Grosvenor Road Baptist, mm. which was on the opposite side of Dublin City to where we, where we lived. Um, uh, but for different reasons, that's where we ended up. And actually a man called Archie Millen, Archie Macmillan, who was a Scottish man who was the pastor there, he again, through his preaching and teaching in Grosvenor, um, would have had a big influence upon, upon me. Jim Murdoch mm-hmm. uh, took me under his arm as a, as a young 15-year-old uh, and brought me. Uh, one of my claims of fame, Davey, is that I've given my testimony on the Brannockstown mobile church bus. <laughs> uh, but Jim used to take me with him places and, uh, yeah. you know, Jim would preach. I'd maybe give my testimony. and But Jim took a sort of a you know, a sort of spiritually father kind of mm. care of me and would have encouraged me and, and taught me. There was also a man called Reggie Fry, who was a brother man in Dublin who uh, spoke at camps and youth meetings and all the rest. And, and he used to write letters uh, to young, like if you, if you spoke at a camp and you, you filled in a form or give you an address or whatever, he would send you. And there were, there were things that he printed, you know, he didn't write you necessarily individual letters, but they were kind of how to grow as a Christian, how to pray, as a, different kind of discipleship mm. tools. And again, uh, that those were those were things, and the contact, if you like, with him and and the influence of him was a real blessing and impact in my life as well. And again, it was people all the time 
drive me back to scripture drive me back to the word of god drive me back to our confidence in god's word yeah. um but also that like you said that the christian life is a living thing you, you're mm. either you're either going forward and growing or you're going backwards it's not something neutral yeah. um and again look i, I didn't quote that to him earlier it was back in the middle of mind now perverse and foolish off i strayed you know that's that's the reality and yet in love he saw me and i suppose that would be that would be my testimony doing those teenage years certainly Davy. that mm. you know my own tendency to maybe go astray but actually god in his grace and mercy keeping me and using these influences uh, upon me i moved to limerick when i was 18 uh, to, to attend what is now the university of, of limerick and uh, business studies course um which i confess i never finished i'm still an undergraduate uh, of the <laughs> university of limerick and uh, but actually the same year that i moved to limerick september 1986 uh trevor ramsey trevor and his late wife sheila Ramsey mm-hmm. moved to Limerick as Irish Baptist Missions yeah. workers. Um, and again, I would say the teaching and the influence and the, just the involvement, serving alongside uh, Trevor and Sheila with children's clubs and different things, that really began to help me. I suppose Beach Missions got me interested in evangelism and, and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I suppose Trevor Ramsey and others, and I began to get involved in a thing called the Southern Association of Irish Baptist Churches. Uh, and I actually came onto the Baptist Youth Council when I was about 18 or 19 as well. All those things and Jim Murdoch and others, that began to influence me to not only evangelism and discipleship, but actually the importance of the local church. Yeah. The importance of the yeah. local church is the context from which mm-hmm. evangelism and discipleship uh, would take place. And obviously, when I was when I was in those late teenage years, Davy, and got involved in more Baptist things, there was something like, I think, 11 uh, centers of Baptist witness in the Republic. Um, mm. And, you know, some of those would have been very small yeah. uh, church entities. And again, to see the value of not just, if you like, going and doing evangelism, which was what Beach Mission, I suppose, and, and, and Young Life would have done, but yeah. actually saying, okay, what we need to see is local churches established in these yeah. places that can be a light and a witness to people ongoingly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, I suppose, was a big uh, influence and driving force in my life. Yeah, you asked about books, now, Davey. I wish I could say I'm an ardent, as ardent a reader as you are. Uh, I don't think I am, and I think I have a huge way to catch up, even though you're a lot younger than me. Um, but uh, three books, if I can just say briefly, and it's, it's kind of a little bit of an ecumenical list uh, here, and there's not a Baptist <laughs> writer among them, I have to confess. Um, but three books, I suppose, that have been a real blessing to me and that I've gone back to again and again. Well, the third one I can't because I've lent it to somebody and they haven't returned it, David, which I'm sure okay. that irks you. Well, if, the, if they're listening, uh, you can let well, them know what the book yeah. is and maybe they'll return it. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's been a while. So, in fact, in fact, the book's been released uh, recently in a new edition, I think, with, with updated material. So I'm actually going to invest in that again. But <laughs> but three books that are really blessing me. One was A Heart for God by Sinclair Ferguson, which is just a little banner paperback book. Um, but I'd say somewhere in my late teenage years, I read that for the first time. I think it was about 19... And that just was a real, you know, just a, a very, you know, I suppose, simple, straightforward book. But just saying, you know what, that's where our life needs to be mm. centered, you know, mm-hmm. not in ourselves, not even our activities and our advantages, but actually yeah. centered upon God himself. And just the challenge of, of you know, uh, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, and becoming more like him, you know, and, and just that, that book. And I've gone back to that book again and reread it, mm. you know, because obviously it's a small little volume. Um, another book that's been a, a blessing to me too and a challenge uh, was the life and Le- letters of a Church of Ireland minister called William Pennyfeather, okay. um, who lived kind of around the time of, of the Great Famine. 
um, okay. you know, and, and, and through that and, and, and actually into the, the disestablishment of the Church of Ireland in, mm. in the kind of late or 1860s. But one of the things I remember from that book, particularly Davy, uh, is this, and I found it actually in a second hand. I found it in a furniture shop uh, when I was with my <laughs> mother, my grandmother in Monaghan, in a town called Bally Bay in County Monaghan. Um, I looked around and, and I'm always fascinated to try and find older books, yeah. you know, that yeah. maybe going out of print and you can't find anymore. And actually I picked up four books uh, that day, I bought them, like, I think they were like a I can't remember how much I paid for them, but one of them was called The Light of His Countenance, which again has been a, mm. a really good book to me. But anyway, this one, uh, The Life and Letters of William Penn and Feather, he says in that book, he wrote a circular letter to all his fellow Church of Ireland ministers of his day. And most of them would have been ardent evangelical men preaching the gospel, yeah. teaching the Bible. And what he said to them was this. He said, gentlemen, if we imbibe the theology that's coming out of Tübingen, in Germany, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll have no message to preach and our churches will close. Mm. And I, reading that, Davy, I believe William Pennyfeather was, was prophetic. Yeah, for sure. Because those doctrines were embraced. Mm-hmm. The whole questioning of, you know, are the scriptures, you know, the, 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 the infallible, inerrant, sufficient word of God, you know, begin yeah. to question... Who wrote the first five books? Did the children of Israel really cross the Red Sea? Basically trying yeah. to take the miraculous out of the scripture, mm-hmm. which ultimately takes God out of mm. scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and tragically today, Davy, and while there are, and I have friends, you know, in the, in the Anglican ministry here who are, who are evangelical men and are seeking to make the gospel known, sadly, you travel a lot of the towns and areas in the Republic. Go down to West Cork in particular. And you can find an awful lot of churches. The roof's been taken off because you don't have to pay the insurance if the roof is, roof is gone. Um, churches that, if you read some of the headstones and things, definitely a gospel has been preached yeah. because there are people who, unlike my grandfather, went to the grave with that hope and confidence of mm-hmm. rising again and going to be with Christ. Um, but sadly, those churches are no more. Yeah. Um, and that is a real... Uh, now, look, obviously, partition... You know, Protestant people moving out of what became the Republic, all of that has an effect as well. But a lot of those churches, you walk around Dublin today, a lot of those Church of Ireland buildings are restaurants or solicitor's mm-hmm. office or nightclubs mm-hmm. or they're all kinds of things. But I believe William Pennyfeather put his put his finger on the pulse in his yeah. day. Um, yeah. And sadly, what he, what he said would happen, happened. happened. And just um, shows the importance of having a sound theological training centre. Sorry to, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> to bang my drum. But, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You know, it's so key because there's a knock-on effect then for the church if they don't um, weigh these absolutely. new theological trends uh, judiciously, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. No, no. And, and David, I think that's why, to me, hmm. you know, we're sitting here and the key, if you like to, and I maybe say this a bit later on, but the key to me to gospel advancement in Ireland and overseas is the training of men and women who leave this place, uh, you know, confident that the scriptures are the infallible yeah. and errant and sufficient word of God. That's the basis upon which then they'll have any interest in seeing the gospel. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we, we can maybe come to that uh, <laughs> um, later on. Uh, but then, and the third book, if I can just mention briefly, uh, is a book. And I went to the Irish Bible School, um, which was merged in the end with a thing called the Leadership Institute in Dublin to become the Irish Bible Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, in, I did a year there of, of in um, 
uh, biblical studies and mission. I wish I'd, I'd done more and I need to do more. Um, but one of the books that wasn't on my course, because <laughs> um, I was a bit of a rebel, but one of the books that wasn't on my course was Nothing But The Truth by Brian Edwards. Um, who's you know worked with the FIEC and mm-hmm. a, a pastor in 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 Hooky Evangelical Church in Surbiton for for many years, um, but that book actually, Dave, even though it wasn't on my course, actually, in some of the stuff that I've been presented with when I was there, actually was a real help in just again reinforcing in my heart and mind that the scriptures mm. are 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 they're true. You know, God has spoken, and you know whatever theories and thoughts and ideas men come up with that try to maybe uh, you know show that the scriptures are in some way faulty or fallible or whatever actually you know the word of god will always yeah. always win because it is god's word um, yeah. and so that book was a real help and as i said it's on my list of books to to get because <laughs> i've i've long uh, lost to whoever whoever borrowed it but anyway th- there's some of the influence upon me uh, and david i'm grateful for each and every one mm. um, and obviously then you know, uh, Karen and I began working with Baptist Missions in, in 1997, uh, and I worked with with a guy called Sean Mullen down in Cork, mm-hmm. um, and others too within the mission. And and they that those uh, years in Cork were very formative and helpful in being involved. I suppose again in evangelism with people like Brendan O'Brien and others, um, spurring me on and, and and spurring each other on to continue reaching out with the gospel and growing ourselves and going then to tell others. That all those influences and people have been just a, a blessing and a help to me. Yeah. Um, but again, I suppose wherever we've gone to, it's that local church connection of being a part of a body of people who are committed together to growing in the grace mm-hmm. and knowledge of our Lord and actually spurring each other on and the importance of that. Because I think there's a danger of people maybe listening that, you know, somehow I think people have this misperception that it's easier for the pastor or the Christian worker to maintain their spiritual life and, you know, read their Bible <laughs> and pray and all. And that's a nonsense, as no. you and I both know. Yeah. You know, the battle is, is the same for all of us because the devil wants to keep us from the Word, you for know. Sure. Uh, and so, to me, um, having others around you who are going to spur you on, both within the local church and, if you like, wider afield, is, is such a blessing yeah. to have. I'm sure as people have uh, been listening to that and as I'm listening to it, uh, and all of these influences, especially in those early years in the evangelistic zeal, it's perhaps no surprise that you find yourself as director of Baptist Missions um, in terms of, and of course, um, being a church planter with Baptist Missions before taking on this this role of heading up the ministry. So maybe could you give us a quick summary just of what Baptist Missions is? Because there's maybe someone listening and what are you on about? So, so what is Baptist Missions? Well, Baptist Missions is the missions department of the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland, which you mentioned earlier is around 117, although I'm hoping by the end of this year, actually, there'll be more. And that's, we'll come to that maybe that in a moment. Um, but I suppose these 117 churches have agreed to work together in the areas of training. Hence, we have the Irish Baptist mm-hmm. College here uh, in the areas of youth and women uh, and in mission. And I suppose what I would say is, Davey, that we all have one aim. The Irish Baptist College, Baptist Women, Baptist Youth, Baptist Missions. And that aim is to obey the Great Commission yeah, of the Lord Jesus. Sure. And everything that we do, uh, to me, is centred uh, around that. A little bit of quick history. The Irish Baptist Home Mission, which would have been influenced by the Baptist Missionary Society and so on, founded by William Carey, was formed in 1888. 
Um, the Irish Baptist Foreign Mission was formed in 1924, and in 1977, the, those two, if you like, the Foreign Mission and the Home Mission merged to form uh, Baptist Missions. Um, and so, uh, you know, we'd be celebrating a very significant anniversary, God sparing us and the Lord having not returned uh, in, in, in 2027. Uh, when we we'll mm. celebrate 50 years actually since Baptist Missions merged, if you mm. like, and it also coincides with that 100th anniversary uh, of uh, the first missionaries going to Peru. So so 2027 in the big calendar, <laughs> yes, is a big year uh, if the Lord spares us. But as a mission, we are then simply uh, seeking to carry out that mandate given to us by the Association of Churches um, to see the evangelization of others in obedience to the Lord's commission and the establishing, fostering mm. and maintenance of churches of Baptist faith and order in Ireland and overseas. That's what we're about. Uh, and so we have sent missionaries to uh, our, within Ireland, if you like, home missionaries, if you want to call them, going back mm-hmm. to that home mission emphasis. Uh, we have sent missionaries to the land of Peru uh, for over 90 years. Yeah. We've sent missionaries to France and Spain. Uh, and, and I suppose for historic reasons, that's where we are at the moment. Mm. Uh, David, when I came into this job, because I am from the Republic, I was very conscious that I couldn't be seen to be biased towards the work in Ireland. Um, and so... Uh, I've deliberately gone for France, Ireland, Peru, and Spain. I've put them alphabetically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no <laughs> preference, whatever given. But if I can go back to something you mentioned a moment ago, Davy, I, when I, uh, I suppose, was approached and began to be uh, exercised about coming into this role as Director of Baptist Missions, if you'd asked me a year or two before, mm-hmm. I would have said, Davy Elson, you're off your mind. I will never, that is not. Yeah. I'm not qualified, I'm not gifted, I can't do. And and to be honest, Davey, not long before I took on this role, um, and I'm not saying this for any kind of thing to myself, but you know, I got down on my knees and actually wept before God. Sense of my own sinfulness, my own unworthiness, who am I? Mm. Um, and I cast myself afresh upon the mercy and the grace of God saying that there was no way I could do this job uh, in and of myself. But I needed, I, I, first of all, I needed, if you like, fresh cleansing in that sense of, of just, you know, mm. just that sense of being washed afresh in the blood of Christ, just being, being cleansed again. But also, you know, needing the help and strength of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, I need it daily, as you and yeah. I know. But just a sense of, you know, I am not can't enter into this with any sense of, my sure. own uh, ability and 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 Dave, I look back. It'll be seven years um, next Wednesday uh, since I stepped into this role, <laughs> and all I can say is that that again, that same grace and saving grace, if like a save at the age of eight, that has kept me down through the years. It's God's grace and mercy and help that has yeah, sustained and enabled me to to be here to this yeah. this moment, uh, and that and that alone. And um, because again, if I was trying to do this role in my own strength and Whatever little abilities I have, I'd have long uh, yeah. thrown in the towel yeah. and, and walked away. Yeah, definitely, and I can uh, wholeheartedly agree um, with that. That it's a uh, yeah big big task, but God has placed us here, and He's the one who equips us and sustains yeah. us in that for yeah. sure. Well, as I think about the work of the college and in relation to to missions we're delighted that uh, you teach on a number of our courses and expose um, our students to missions now many of our students end up going into pastoral ministry although not all and we're we're delighted that a number of recent graduates are 
still serving with Baptist missions, and um, we're really pleased with that, both in Ireland and abroad. But lots will go into pastoral ministry, and I suppose as we think about pastoral ministry, lots of stresses and strains there. Um, maybe a little bit hard to lift your eyes above your own small parish of your church um, and think about missions, but obviously that's important. Um, so perhaps you could just explain why that's important and for our students who are listening, preparing to go on into ministry, why is a good grasp of, of missions and a missionary impetus important for those who are maybe not missionaries in the technical term yeah well first of all david can i just say how thrilled i am uh, and we are as a mission that a number of recent graduates from ibc have gone to serve with us uh, in, in different areas in ireland and in france uh, in, in recent years and we're very grateful for the training and equipping that takes place here on a day-by-day basis at the college yeah before i talk about the importance of understanding mission can i say i'm going back to what something i said earlier i'm convinced that anybody leaving here, particularly if they're gonna have an interest in mission, must leave this place convinced that the scriptures are the infallible, inerrant, and sufficient uh, word of God. And and I suppose for me, as a believer, for me, if you like, as, a, as an evangelical, uh, as a convinced Baptist as well, um, to me, that's the most important thing, that mm. everybody leaving here has that conviction. Uh, and I'm grateful to, to the college that, that, that IBC has kept its line uh, when so many other colleges on, on these islands and across the world, as you know, and we go back to, yeah. you know, our friend William Pennyfeather, you know, in the 1860s, mm-hmm. it has happened time and time again. And there'll always be that pressure on, an, on, 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 on a, a um, if I can call IBC an institution, but there'll always be that pressure to, yeah. to begin to soften the line. And to me, uh, God will bless uh, that line being taken and that hold being taken and that conviction being held mm-hmm. and, and so to me David that's the most important thing because then following from that is if, if, if the scriptures are God's infallible word then you know Christ being the only saviour of men mm-hmm. uh, and I mean men the generic term yeah. um, you know uh, that to me then flows from that and, and also to then our, our if you like our need to obey the Great Commission, and the Great Commission being the only mandate that the Lord Jesus has given his church yeah. until the end of the age. So to me, if somebody leaves with the conviction from here, the scriptures are God's infallible word. That's the only place we go to, you know, for, for yeah. our, our thinking and our teaching and so on. It's the only, so, and from that then, Christ is the only savior, and therefore the Great Commission is the only. To me then, Davy, if you like, it shouldn't be difficult then for anybody going into pastoral ministry to you know if if those if those central things are central to them and obviously it's all then about keeping the main thing the main thing and you know to me then it shouldn't be such a big gap Mm -hmm. between if you like Mm -hmm. a call to mission and for local churches to be involved in sending and supporting and standing with those called to obey that great commission across the island or across the world um, now that's in an ideal world, Davy, and you and I know we live yeah. in a fallen, broken world. But to me, that's the that's the key: uh, sufficiency of the scriptures, Christ alone as as the way of mm-hmm. salvation, and if you like, that the Great Commission should be at the centre of all that we do as churches mm-hmm. and all that we do as churches together in our yeah. association. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, just to be reminded of those key things. Sometimes we get distracted by peripheral issues and. Um, 
Yeah, to be reminded to go back to that. It's an interesting question, Dave, isn't it? That if we stopped all our church activities, every single thing, and asked ourselves the question, how how does that particular activity and stuff we're doing in church, how does that actually uh, fall into us obeying the Great Commission? Yeah. yeah. I think then maybe a lot of things might stop. Um, church life I, would look a little yeah, bit different. And, and <laughs> if I can give you an illustration of this, when I was growing up with Karen, uh, and obviously I was working in the airline business, so, you know, uh, lots of fast-moving stuff and, and you know, it's obviously very exciting, airports and airplanes and all the rest. But I, I used to sometimes come up maybe in a Sunday afternoon to see Karen and we go to the evening service. So sometimes I'd be there for the morning and evening service. And what struck me in the particular church Karen was going to at the time was that the same people were sitting in the same seats on Sunday evening mm-hmm. as had been there on Sunday morning. Yeah, The pastor or whoever the person was who was preaching was trying his best to extract maybe out of some more obscure passage in the Old Testament oftentimes a sort of a gospel message that was somehow, you know, a bit different than the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question was this, is there a difference between evangelizing and preaching the gospel? And so there's nothing wrong. And look, as believers, David, I think you and I need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Yeah. The basis of yeah. our standing before yeah. God is because Christ died in our place. We have nothing else apart from him, etc. But I used to think, Davy, you know, would it have been better for the older, maybe more infirm members of the congregation to say, look, let's stop the evening service, um, which might have been, you know, a travesty to some. The older folk and maybe people who don't want to go out, you know, pray. Mm-hmm. But let's the rest of us take a couple of leaflets, go out onto the busy thoroughfare outside where people were and actually bring that same gospel, not diluting it in any way, to the people who are lost beyond the walls and the building of the of the church yeah. building. Um, now that might have been a bit radical obviously it wasn't my place because I was only a blow-in etc <laughs> you know but I think David that is the question I think that that churches leaders and churches we need to be asking ourselves all the time because we can be caught up I think in, in doing so many things and having yeah. so many church meetings yeah. that almost become normal but the question yeah. has to be are they really being effective in reaching yeah. people are lost people being are hearing the gospel um, and ultimately too not only are people if you like then if the gospel has been preached and God is at work and the Spirit of God is drawing people to himself, I suppose I would say, David, too, then every church in our association should be thinking not only about evangelism and how do we make our church bigger, but actually, where's the next town? Where's the next place? Where's the next area we could be going to as a church to reach somewhere where... Now, look, maybe here in Northern Ireland, that's a bit more difficult to find places where there's nothing. But I wonder, too, and I ask this question, David, are there maybe areas in Northern Ireland of population centres uh, with people maybe who come, what people would say, from the other side, hmm. but have never really been effectively reached Reach with the gospel? With the gospel. Uh, we've maybe parachuted in, hmm. we've maybe thrown darts at them, but we've maybe never gone and, you know, lived among, you know, got to know, won the trust and, and almost... And being willing to see a church maybe emerging in a community like that that may look very different yeah. from the one that we've planted from, but actually we've gone to see a community of people. And and I think, Davy, our ecclesiology as Baptist lends itself so well to reach people from all sides mm-hmm. and none. Uh, yeah. Because our gospel isn't wrapped in a flag. It's not wrapped in our identity, in our culture. 
we come saying to people, look, whatever your religious background or none, you need to come by way of the yeah. cross and come to Christ first. And, you know, the New yeah. Testament to me, David, is very clear. Believe, baptize, belong. That's the pattern in the New Testament. Yeah. And so I think we've got, we have the opportunity on this island, uh, which is often so divided, kind of down two lines, to go into every community and declare mm. the truth of Christ and, and his, his calling to people and call all people to yeah. come to repentance and faith uh, in him. Well, there's a provocative question for our listeners. Are you sitting waiting on people coming in or are you taking the gospel to them? And uh, I'll leave that for our listeners to answer. Um, but I have one more provocative question and that's for you, Mervyn. This is our last question. Um, there are loads of mission agencies active and loads of good, solid, biblically faithful mission agencies active and uh, many in our churches, many from our churches serve with them in different capacities. So why do Baptists and maybe particularly why does the association uh, need its own mission or, or what does Baptist missions add to the, to the missionary scene uh, globally? Well, Davy, I, I concur with you. There's lots of good mission agencies and, and people out there doing lots of, of uh, you know, good gospel work. And um, I suppose when I go back to what I was saying earlier about the mandate that we have from our churches, mm-hmm. which is the evangelization of others in obedience to the Lord's commission and the establishment, fostering and maintenance of Baptist, of churches of the Baptist faith and order in Ireland and overseas. And I suppose... What I would say is that I believe what we're doing as Baptist missions, we're obviously not the only ones doing this, and I'm not going to sit here and say we're better than or anything else, but yeah. I think if we if we understand our Bible and we understand the New Testament pattern and we're seeking to obey what Christ has commanded us to do, to me it's clear there in you know those words at the end of Matthew's Gospel were to go, mm-hmm. were to make disciples of all nations, Mm-hmm. baptizing those disciples people who have come to faith in Christ people who have been born again by God's Spirit in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and we're to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you um, and that happens obviously in the context of a local church mm. um, and so to me uh, I suppose one of the frustrations I have say as somebody who's lived most of my life in the Republic and seen lots of agencies and people evangelizing is that there are a lot of groups Yes, telling the gospel. There are a lot of groups maybe even seeing people saved. But if I can be so bold, there are very few that are actually involved in not only seeing people saved, but seeing people being discipled and seeing new churches being planted. Mm. Now, I'm not here, David, to wave a flag. or I'm not interested in self-glory. But all I would say is this, that in the last 40 or so years on the island of Ireland, by God's grace and his mercy, we as a small little association of, of 117 churches, we've actually seen uh, about 40 or so churches, new churches being planted yeah. on this island. Um, and I mentioned 11 churches in the Republic when I was a mm-hmm. teenager. Um, towards the end of this year, in God's grace and goodness, um, Passage Baptist Church has, was formed back in June. Maybe mm-hmm. some of our listeners won't be aware of that because it hasn't been, wasn't because of COVID, it wasn't done too publicly. Mm-hmm. Belturbid, Baptist Church, uh, a plant from the Cavan Baptist Church in partnership with Baptist Missions, a former IBC student, IBC graduate mm-hmm. heading up the work, Joel Marcus, will be will be constituted in September. And hopefully by the end of this year, Davey, they won't necessarily all be in our association yet because there's a bit of a process, yeah. obviously. But 
I think we'll get very close, if not over, uh, 30 uh, mm-hmm. Baptist churches in the Republic of Ireland. Um, now, Davey, I'm not flying the flag, and I believe we could have another 100 at least yeah. Baptist churches in, in Ireland without tripping over or duplicating yeah. where other evangelical works are. Um, but to my mind, why we need Baptist missions is because uh, as an association of churches, if we're going to obey Christ's commission, if we're going to go and make disciples of all nations, the best way to do it is to go and take that gospel to lost men and women, believing that God saves people, mm. and then bringing those people into communities of faith that actually will go on to reach that community and go on again, hopefully, to plant further churches. And I believe our ecclesiology, our understanding of Scripture, our understanding of that pattern of people being saved first, baptized mm-hmm. uh, by immersion to identify with 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 uh, Christ and his church and planting new churches is is the most effective way uh, of reaching people mm-hmm. with the gospel and so in my mind Dave as, as small as we are I believe as a mission we are actually if you like if I can put it like this punching above our weight yeah. in many cases um, and we're seeing new churches being planted here in Ireland uh, we're seeing a growing team of of missionaries uh, serving in France. Uh, we have missionaries in Spain who ha- are, are in very key, significant positions in terms mm. of, of helping the church there. And also, we're seeing in Peru, God raising up a generation of leaders who are going to go on to lead the work in Peru yeah. uh, and to see, again, Christ's gospel being proclaimed and more churches being planted. Um, so do we need uh, Baptist missions, Davy in 2021? I believe we need it more than ever mm. uh, and we need our churches behind the work that we're seeking to do together uh, both here the college Baptist women Baptist youth and through the mission in order to see that great commission being fulfilled in our day and generation Amen Amen and uh, thank you Mervyn for your time today and um, this has been a bumper episode of the podcast but I've sat here smiling the whole time uh, hugely encouraging uh, thank you for your honesty and uh, for your time today and I want to thank you for listening to the Irish Baptist po- College podcast to find out more about the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland visit baptistsinireland.org where you'll find links to all of the department website, websites including Baptist Missions uh, and our own at the college can I also take this opportunity to highlight the college's latest initiative Gospel Guardians Supporting theological education is one of the most strategic actions one can take in securing the long-term health of the church. And Mervyn's reiterated that for us today. If the college is to continue producing pastors, missionaries, evangelists, women's workers and youth and children's workers, we need your help. You can find more information on becoming a gospel guardian in the show notes. Until next time.